You know, we've been going through this series throughout Advent and Christmas. This is our, the last of our series, and uh, our text today is John 1.12. But all who did receive Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. You know, dear friends of Christ, uh, you know, this is a very old picture. It's an ancient picture, uh, old photograph taken sometime between 1884 and 1929. That's when the orphan train ran across America. The orphan train. There were 200,000 orphans that would come across from Europe and somewhere in the journey would be disconnected with their parents or just simply by the time the parents got to America disowned. They had to do something with the children, so they'd put them on a train. And the train would run back and cross, back and forth across America until somebody finally took them home. Well, that's what happened uh, to these children. They'd be shipped out west, and periodically they'd stop. They'd stop in towns for what was called viewings. What's a viewing? Well, they were lined up like cattle, these people on these little children on the orphan grain train. They would be lined up like cattle, and, and, and then at an auction, potential parents would look at them, usually look at their teeth and examine their health. Uh, you find out if they're intelligent, if they're learned, um, ask them questions, and if they were chosen, they'd take the child home. If not, they got back on the orphan train. It was called the orphan train. Andrea Warren talks about one of these orphans in her book, The Orphan Train Rider, One Boy's True Story. It's a true story of a boy named Lee Nailing. Now, Lee's father had arrived from Europe in New York. And had some business in New York. He sent his boys on the train in New York, put them on the train to Texas, put in their pocket an envelope with his address, and said, when you reach your destination, write me, and I will come, and I will get you. Well, along the journey, the boys lost a letter and lost contact with their father. And that was heartbreaking. And I, I wish... I wish that I could tell you that Lee Nailing and his two brothers found their father. It's a sad story. They didn't. I wish I could tell you that the father did everything that he, in his power that he could to go find the, two bo the three boys. He didn't. The boys were alone. I wish I could tell you what it would feel like for the father to have embraced them and said, I've been looking for you everywhere. Son, it's me. It's your dad. I love you and I found you. But I can't. Lee Nailing's father never came looking for him. It's a very sad story. But I know a much happier story because I know a father who loves his children and looks for them. It's your Heavenly Father. And guess what? He never stops looking for you. 
And that's, what, that's the point of John chapter 1, verse 12. Your heavenly Father looks for you. And that's our theme. Do you ever feel like you're stuck on the orphan train? You know, have you ever been rejected? Have you ever had people uh, dismiss you time after time? Maybe, that's, maybe you understand how that feels, to some degree anyway. But feelings are not facts, okay? What you feel are not necessarily the facts. These are the facts. Your heavenly Father never stops looking for you. No matter how abandoned you might feel, no matter how alone, your Heavenly Father never stops looking for you. Now, in the book of John, he puts something in the middle. Something very important is placed in the middle. That's kind of a common thing in the Bible, that you put the most important thing in the middle. Uh, for example, uh, in John verse 1 and 2, you have... Uh, the eternal word was with God. Verse 18, the eternal word was, was God. Kind of mirrors each other. And then you've got verse 3. Creation comes to the word. Verse 17, grace and truth through, comes to the word. Verse 4 through 5, we receive life. Verse 16, we receive grace. Verse 6 through 8, John's, the Baptist's purpose is to testify about Jesus. Verse 15, John gives his testimony. Verses 9 through 10, he talks about the incarnation. Verse 14, the incarnation. Verse 11, the word and his own, uh, the word and his own. And verse 13, the word and his own. And then you got you have verse 12, those who accept and those who believe. Kind of like a pattern, a mirror. But what's in the middle? What's in the middle? What's in the middle must be important. And it is. He gave authority to become God's children. What's in the middle is important. Consider Genesis chapter 11. Like I said, it happens other places in the Bible. Genesis 11 verses 1 through 9 is the account of the story of Babel. Now, in the middle, Genesis 11.5, are these words. The Lord came down. Important. In Isaiah 7, verses 2 through 12, um, the, uh, 2 through 18, the, 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 no, in Isaiah 2, uh, this, the middle verse is verse 14, and it says, You shall call his name... Emmanuel. Important. And then smack dab right in the middle of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, are these words. He gave authority to become God's children. So let's unpack this, this promise. He. And of course we ask the question then, who is he? Who is the he here? Well, the he is our heavenly father. And, of course, John 1, 1 through 18 gives the account of what the Heavenly Father sent. The Heavenly Father sent His Son, the, the Son who was the universe was created through Jesus. 
Jesus is the one who called everything into existence. And then he, then he sends John the Baptist to tell, about, tell us about the Messiah, to tell us about Jesus. And then he says, and then, then this Jesus came into the world as a baby. And that's what he talks about, um, that the he is the Heavenly Father. He gave. Now, when I, talk, when I get to this word, gave, I want you to think about the car that happened to be mine when I was a teenager in 1980. My dad told me, I told him when I got my car at 16, I, I wanted, I wanted a, a, new, a new car. Uh, and, and he said, well, it made sense, right? If you want one, you're going to have to buy one yourself. Well, it's going to be my responsibility to buy a car. And I understood that, and I didn't have any problem with that um, until I wrecked his. And then he decided, okay, maybe it'd be a good thing for me to buy my son a car. And you can imagine the joy I had when he handed me the keys to a new, old Plymouth Barracuda. And it, it had its problems. It was a Plymouth, and, and it, it, uh, it, it, it struggled with things. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have any payments. The car was free. I didn't have a loan. And, got, and, and Dad gave me that car. Now, our, if our earthly father can give us good things, then what of our heavenly father gives us things? The Bible says, John 3, 34, the Father gives without limit. Again, John 5.21, the Father raises the dead, gives them life. And John 16.23, uh, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then the granddaddy of them all, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But what if God decided to change his mind? That'd be a problem, right? If God all of a sudden just decided to reverse his plan, that it wasn't all worth it. He sent his son, his son died on the cross, all our sins are forgiven, but God looks at us and says, you know what, they're just not worth it. It's a Sunday after Christmas, and they don't even show up to worship. It's not even... It's not even worth messing with them. And God would have every reason to do so, wouldn't he? To change his mind. To say, I've just had enough of them. They don't deserve my love. We stumble, we fall, we lack, we sin, we need, we hurt. We're demanding, we mess things up. Would God ever decide to just give up on us? Spouses give up. Employees give up. Friends give up. Principals give up. Expel children from school. Parents abandon their children. Just ask Lee Nailing. How do we know God won't do the same thing to us? Have you ever thought about that? How do we know that God won't abandon us in the same way after all is said and done? 
After all, he's pure and holy. He's perfect and sinless. We're just the opposite. Why would he want us in his presence? But this morning, I want to put all those fears aside. Why? Because God the Father gave authority. Now, this word authority is something that has power. And we've, had, we've been dealing with something that has kind of power over us these last couple of years, COVID. And COVID has, and all of its various strains, have caused its problems, disease. This disease has been here far too long, causing its problems. It's even affecting the spiritual life of God's people. The spiritual life of the world, to be honest with you. It kills people. But there's another disease that invades our soul. It's a disease that abandons, causes dreams to be abandoned and leaves hearts empty. The disease I'm talking about comes with two God-forsaken words. I can't. I can't attack self-control. I can't resist the bottle. It attacks our desires. I can't resist pornography. It attacks marriages. I can't forgive. It attacks nerves. I can't find peace. It attacks our sense of well-being. I can't know who I am. It attacks faith. I can't believe. I just can't. I can't believe anymore. God the Father gave authority. We're not helpless. We are not hopeless. We are not powerless. We are not without prayer. God the Father has given us authority. And authority can be defined this way. A legitimate power from a competent source. God's a legitimate power. God's a competent source. Authority. And with that kind of legitimate power in your heart and in your life, you can slam the door on I can't and instead say I can. And of course, Philippians tells us that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can walk in the darkness and live. I can die and come back to life. I can offend God and yet have a heavenly Father who still loves me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And of course, God the Father gave authority to become God's children. Jesus explains how this happens. John 3 teaches that we need to be born again. How do we become God's children? Through holy baptism. We bring, we bring our children to the baptismal font and the water is placed on our head. And of course what happens is then the, we are saved by water in the Holy Spirit, born again, born into the kingdom of God, adopted as His children. You might think of it kind of like a car wash. Okay, you take that old filthy clunker, that old Plymouth Barracuda, and you come with your sins and you drive into the car wash and you wash your sins away. Right? You, you, the, the, you get a cleaned up clunker. Um, and it's true. 
You know, we're no longer defined by divorce. We're washed. We're no longer defined by our failures. We're washed. We're no longer defined by our deficiencies. We're washed. We're no longer defined by our debt. We're washed. We're no longer defined by our dumb choices in the past. We're washed. But there's more. That clunker that I had, that my, God, my dad gave me in 1967 that had all kinds of problems, all of a sudden is exchanged for a brand new Ferrari. That means new paint. Means new brakes. Means new interior. That new leather smell. It means everything. Brand new. The car looks fantastic. And look what baptism has done to us. The same thing. It makes us God's children. We are born again into a family. Not clunkers anymore. We become the children of God made brand new. A brand new you. But there's even more. In holy baptism, God adopts you. He redeems you. He buys you back. Adopted children are precious children. Adopted children are chosen children. That's not true with biological children. Biological children are, are given by birth. And when I was born and the doctor placed me into my mother's arms and my dad looked at me, the doctor said, you have no choice, you have to take him home. Dad said, I want a better looking version. I need a, more, a smarter version. I need a more athletic version. No choice. There's no plan B. This is what you get. But adopted children, they're different. They get examined. Their parents choose them. Surprise pregnancies happen to biological parents Surprise adoptions never happen. The parents want a child. The parents choose a child. And they could have picked a different gender. They could have picked a different color. They could have picked a different nationality. But they didn't. They chose you. They adopted you. They wanted you. And so does your Heavenly Father. And that's the language He uses. He purchases you. He redeems you. He buys you back. He adopts you. He never stops looking for you. Your adoption means God wants you. And what does the Bible say about you? You have received the spirit of adoption as children, by whom then we cry to God, Abba, Father. And the Father's adopted you. And do you realize the Father, Heavenly Father adopted you, but it wasn't because of your talent? Certainly wasn't because of your temperament. Your Father adopted you because He loves you. Because He chose you. Because He wants you. Your Heavenly Father looks for you. Remember Lee Nailing, that eight-year-old orphan boy and his two brothers? Father never came looking for them. His two brothers were adopted almost immediately. Poor Lee Nailing. He had to travel on that orphan train for four months. Four monstrous, painful, monotonous months. And then finally, 
Finally, when his little heart was about to break, Lee was adopted by a loving couple from Texas. When they took him off the train, paid the price to adopt him, introduced Lee to their best friends the next day, and introduced him by saying, this is our new son, Lee. Sometimes we ask, do I count for anything? Do I matter? Sometimes we feel rejected and from high school all the way to old age. Well, we can change that. We can push back. We can get angry and get frustrated. We can validate our existence. We can dig in our heels and we can do more and we can buy more and we can be more and we can achieve more and we can get more. But then no matter what we do, we still wonder, do I count for anything? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're not stuck on the orphan train. The Nailing story is a true story, and it's your story. Because as he was adopted, so are we. And John 1.12 says, Our Heavenly Father gave authority to become children of God. You're baptized. Your past is the past. Your future is bright. God's Word is sure. Rest on your adoption. You are God's chosen child. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.